This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty. Drew Samini. Aaron Rodgers, he redid his contract. I knew he was going to take a pay cut, a pay reduction to help out the team. I had no idea he would take this much. Essentially, he's leaving about $35 million of guaranteed money on the table, which is, I don't know, it might be unprecedented in teams. Sports. I don't know if an individual athlete has ever taken that much of a pay cut. It's uh, it's pretty massive. So it, it, it amounts to a three-year, $75 million contract. It's all guaranteed. It's way below market value, clearly. And he's doing the team a big favor here. He gives him a lot of financial flexibility. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty on 98.7 ESPN. Chatting with you. Uh, that's enough to get, uh, I think that's enough to get Dalvin Cook. I'm not sure. $35 million? You think, Joe? You can get Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook be. for $35 million? <laughs> You imagine what the other running backs would say if they, <laughs> if he got that much money? That'll reset the clock, that's for that sure. Would be, yeah. It would also put the Jets in serious trouble with the rest of the teams in the league, too. <laughs> There's no question about that. Back to the phones. Dave's in Cranford. What's up, Dave? Yo, man, I ain't even a Jet fan, and, like, I, I can't believe the amount of negativity from some of these Jet fans. Look, Rodgers, like, the biggest issue for the Jets going into this year was whether Rodgers was going to be bought into this whole thing. And he is he is hook, line, and sinker showing you that he's fully invested. If you want one quarterback that can help address problems along an offensive line, it's it's with Rodgers' release, man. He, he, will, he, he will be able to manage his way around that. Um, you know, look, they, they just need the offensive line not to be horrible. It's just got to be average. It's just got to be, like, fairly average. And I think they can get an average offensive line out of the group they got. And I think these Jeff fans, man, be, be excited, man. Like, I know it's not normal for Jeff fans, but, like, man, be excited. I, I'm not even a Jeff fan. I'm excited about watching them. But, Dave, don't you think the Jet fan has a right to be concerned about the play of the offensive line? Yeah, no, I, I I do. I just think that, hey, look, man, you got so much. Look, every team going into this year has got an issue. There's no such thing anymore as a team that doesn't have issues. I mean, look at the Eagles. Man, they got a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, two new safeties, two new linebackers, you know? So, I mean, like, everybody has things that need to work out better. And for the Jets, they're going to be able to have a great defense, um, an explosive wide receiver, great tight end, and Aaron Rodgers fully bought in who knows how to win, like, poof, that's a lot going in your direction. It's a it lot. It is, Dave. Man. There's that's- no question about it, and thanks for the phone call. But I do think that it's okay to be realistic and look and say, you know what, this is a part of the team that I've got concerns about because of the issues of the past with the same part of the team. I don't think that's being negative. That's being realistic. I don't, the only team, the only fan base who you could say is very happy and just, just, Oh, we're good. We don't have anything to worry about. would be Kansas city. And even they were concerned last year. We don't have Tyreek Hill. What are we going to do without Tyreek Hill? Even they were concerned. And listen, Mahomes is pretty good. (laughs) Mahomes is pretty good. 
And Kelsey is always open. He's really good. And you still have concerns. So it's not that they're being negative. It's a team, it's a team that has not been to the postseason in over a decade. Okay? It's a team that has been trying to get the offensive line squared away forever. And yeah, Aaron Rodgers, yes, there is excitement. Believe me. Believe me. Dave, there's excitement about this Jet team with Aaron Rodgers. But the reality is we saw Aaron Rodgers who hurt his hand because of an offensive line that had trouble protecting him in Green Bay, and he was not the same Aaron Rodgers all year. He was really good. He was better than that Aaron Rodgers. The Jets would have killed for that Aaron Rodgers last season. No question about it. Would have killed for him. In a bad year, he was great. Just wasn't great for Aaron Rodgers. But I'm just saying this, it's not negativity. It's being realistic. This is a concern that I have about my team. Just like you said, Philly's concerned. And you, you gave the reasons why. But at least Philly was in the Super Bowl last year. It's a little different perspective. It's a little different perspective. Hakeem's in Brooklyn. What's up, Hakeem? Hello. Hakeem, you there? Yeah, right, hello. Try- yeah, there you are. Talk to me. Yeah, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm calling in from Brooklyn, and okay. I just wanted to I just wanted to really just touch on two, three different things, and I'm really, really interested in what Dave had to say the last caller. That was very interesting what he said about the whole negativity thing, but I like how you hit that. It's not negativity. It's reality. You know, mm-hmm. we've been going through so much, and, you know, the biggest concern, and like you said, was Rodgers buying in. But you have to remember something. Rodgers had the lowest pass rating in his career in the last 15 years when he was in Green Bay last season. Yep. You know, and, so yeah. throwing 12 interceptions from somebody with Rodgers' caliber coming back, not only you want to make sure he's bought in, but you got to look out for his safety because we got so many things already to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, what do you, what do you think about that? And and as far as the availability and the depth, that's just another conversation. But you know, the offense, like you said, the offensive line, that has to be hand in hand with Rogers buying in and his protection. Otherwise, you're not gonna you're not you're not gonna be successful, Hakeem. Thanks for the phone call. The other thing about the offensive line that was a little concerning, from what Rich Samini reported, was. There are issues with opening holes for the running game. I mean, I mean, Hakeem, thanks again for the phone call, my friend. I mean, that's not what you want to hear because you want that, you want that versatility, right? I, I don't care what people say about paying running backs. All right, here's what I know. Every defensive coordinator, player I've spoken to in the years I've covered in the NFL, they all tell me the main thing we have to do is stop the run. Why do you think people, when they, when they don't think you can pass, why do you think people put seven, eight, nine, ten in the box? Because they don't want you to be able to run the ball. They want to force you to throw. That's why. So you got to be able to open some holes for the run. That makes it balanced. And I get just the thought of, I'm not saying we're grounding and pounding. I'm not saying, and, and Mark mentioned them, I'm not saying we're going back to, you know, uh, uh, LaDainian Tomlinson with Rex and we're just going to run the ball and run the ball and run the ball and occasionally we'll let Mark Sanchez make a play. That's not what I'm saying. That's, that's not what this is. I understand you want to get the ball down the field. 
I get that you want to put it in the air. I get that you got Garrett Wilson on this team. I get that you've got a boatload of receivers and you've got the best depth of tight ends you may have had in a, in, I don't know when. So you got versatility with this offense. I get it. But it's, if it's in the fourth quarter and you got a 10-point lead, you would love to be able to run the ball and run out the clock and just march right down the field as Mark alluded last hour to what they did for Buffalo when they marched right down the field and Buffalo could not get the ball back. That's why you want a running back. So you can change the pace. That's why you want a running game. So you can be versatile. And help your defense stay off the field and get a breather. And keep the opposition's offense off the field so they can't score. So, and listen, don't let the NFL fool you. They know the run game is important. They just want to do it with two or three guys. They want to do it with running back by committee. They don't want to pay one guy. They want to be able, because they're saying, listen, it's not about one guy anymore unless you're Derrick Henry. It's about the versatility of having a bunch of guys in there to give you different looks. We got some guys that got speed. We got guys that can run on the outside. We got guys that are strong up the middle. We got guys that got good blocking in their running, and we got guys who we could line up in the slot if we needed to. It's the versatility of the running back. And so they can't find it in one person. They have no trouble paying two guys. It's cheaper than one guy. And they'll do that. So that's what this running, that, that's what the run game is for. That's what it's about now. So that's the concern. Yes, blocking for Aaron Rodgers, because as Willie Colon, former Jet offensive lineman, former Super Bowl champion, pointed out to me on the show Sunday, is remember, Aaron Rodgers doesn't always get rid of the football quickly. Aaron Rodgers has been known to hold it a little bit to wait for a guy to make a break. Yeah, most veterans want to get rid of it quickly. He's not always that guy. So the offensive line may have to block a little longer. It's almost like it's a young player, a rookie or second-year player that wants to hold the ball until he's sure that the that the receiver's open. Because in college... <laughs> Open, you players will never be that open again in life unless somebody falls down. Those days of wide open guys with the whole side of the field are over. That's the deal you're looking for. That's what you want in your offensive line to be able to block under normal circumstances. And yes, yeah, sometimes the O line gets a bad rap because a young quarterback holds on to the football too long. And how long do you expect the offensive line to block? Yes. Sometimes it's not, only, it's not always on the offensive line for a bad play or, or a quarterback getting sacked. Sometimes the quarterback's held on to the ball too long and you need to throw it away. But has that been the case with this Jet offensive line? Over the past two, three, four years? This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Keeping an eye also on what's going on out at the, the stadium where uh, the Mets continue to lead the Yankees in the bottom of the seventh. The Yankees are up. Drew Smith is on the hill in the relief, trying to see if he can uh, get out of the inning and turn the offense back over to the Mets. This has been, uh, I mean, this is one of the weirdest and we get to the calls in a second. This has been one of the weirdest t- 
times, moods, feelings of a Subway series that I can remember. And, and it's because, you know, both teams are just like blah. You know, they're, they're, they're just struggling offensively. I mean, you got guys making base running mistakes still in July and August. You know, you got uh, bad fielding plays. It's just, it's not, it's not, it's not good baseball. It's not button up baseball. You know, I mean, it's it's a close game, right? It's close. So, and it's not it's not a blowout or anything like that. You know, teams are still in it, but you know, the Mets can still win. Mets can come back and win, and the Yankees, can, you know, will try to hold on. What's crazy is both teams need it. Even though it's disappointing, right? Even though the season's been disappointing, even though it's been like a game, both teams need this game. They both do. Yankees need it and the Mets need it. And, you know, as I've mentioned to you, this is, you know, it's big for the Yankees. Because they're about to go into a stretch. This weekend, Baltimore for three, Tampa for three, and then Houston for four. So that's going to, you know, and hopefully, as uh, Joe Sherman has reported in the New York Post, that Aaron Judge is supposed to be activated for Friday. So he could be available Friday night. Who are we kidding? If he's activated, he will play Friday night. Now, here's what would be interesting to me, and Harvey, I'm curious to see what you think. Uh, and Joe, if you're available, you can lock in as well. Aaron Judge, first day back. DH or put him in the field? What do you think, Harvey? Oh, you DH him. Okay. All right. And if he's not DHing from now until the end of the season – we might have to open an investigation. So you're willing to live with Stanton in right field? Silence. Yeah, I'm thinking about this <laughs> no now. No chance. No chance. And, and I think in order to you know get the juices flowing from, from Yankee fans, he needs to be in right field first game back. Because if he's not – you're not going to really sell Yankee fans that he's 100% healthy. And mm. you need 100% healthy Aaron Judge if you want to make anything of this season. Okay, but I, I I think I need him in the lineup. I don't care what he's DHing or what he's doing. I need I need his bat in the lineup. Right. There's no perfect answer for this, honestly, for me at mm -hmm. least. I mm -hmm. mean, we've been screaming for an outfielder. And right now, hopefully that outfielder, if we get a new outfielder, will play right field for Judge. Okay. Or you put Stanton in left? Yes. Okay. You put oh. Stanton in left, Joe? Or in the Yankee on the Stadium, ballpark? no. In Baltimore, no. Uh, maybe in Fenway, but, I mean, the way that he's playing the outfield right now, it, it is every time the camera switches, you just hope it's not to right field because <laughs> he, can't, he can't play. He can't he, move. He can't. He's a statue out there, He's and struggling. it's not affecting him at the plate, but he is the definition of a designated hitter. He is yeah. what David Ortiz was at the latter half of his career right yeah. now.
Yeah. He is. It's crazy. Uh, could you, ah, this is crazy. Uh, going forward, would you consider working him out at first base? Who, Stanton? Mm-hmm. Maybe in spring training, not now. They're... Yeah, no, starting next year. Potentially. Would you consider him moving him to first base? In an emergency where, situation, but where you could, uh, you know, you know, where you could hide him, per se. You know what I mean? Because he's better there. Than he's going to be in the outfield. At least you don't have to run far. I mean, if I'm a Yankee fan, I'd rather see him at first base than than you know. And obviously, by then, Judge should be healthy. He's got he's your right fielder. You, you could put him at DH. I mean, I get it, but I mean, I, it's a lot I to know. ask of him at this stage know. in his career. Can I ask him to waive his no-trade clause? <laughs> that might actually have to be the the way to go is eat some of the money on left over on the contract and see what you can get for him. But who would take him? Who would take him at this point? Nobody. Somebody desperate to put fannies in seats? He needs to go on a hot streak. He just does. I mean, he he's... He... He, here's what I like about him, and here's what I respect about him, that he has done such a great job dealing with the fans here. When he's not been good, they boo him. He just doesn't he, – he says, you know what? It's like he says, yeah, I deserve it. I got nothing to say. I got nothing for you. You're right. I'm bad right now. I'm struggling. And the wild thing about him has been he's been more successful in the postseason than the regular season. He's been more productive in the postseason, which is crazy. You know who he is at this point in his career? He's Gronkowski at the end of his Patriots wow. tenure. Yeah. It's breaking case of emergency. He'll, he'll get hot. I don't know the equivalent to, you know, throw him a couple of screens and get him loose, but that's who he is. He, he is a gr fantastic postseason player. He is. But getting there – and. This is what his 49th game of the year, and the Yankees have played 101. It's just not available. So it's an albatross, even though, again, he's tremendous in the postseason and he can carry it for a week, but yeah. it's the in between that's leaving a lot to be desired right now. And I thought LaGreca made a great point today about him as well, in that. You knew the this part of the contract could be an issue with performance, but you thought you would have gotten to a World Series or at least had a championship or two with him so that this would be easier to deal with, right? If you had a ring with him, you're like, listen, we got our ring. We're good. If he, we have to, you know, if he's, if he's not what we thought he was going to be in the last three years of the contract, it, you know, it happens. He was a great player. He got us a ring. But the fact that you haven't, haven't even gotten to the World Series since he's been here. It 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 makes it it makes it harder. It's tough. And you might have to eat some of that contract and attach a prospect. Yep. Even if, even if he's okay waving the no trade clause. Yep. You're right. Could be a tough situation. I don't know what they're gonna do. I really don't. But <laughs> I'm a Met fan. I got my own problems. One eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. When we return, we'll hear from. The two quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers and Daniel Jones, that's next. It's Hardesty for Grasso on 98.7 ESPN.
This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. So I'm curious to see how the umpires are going to rule here because usually, um, yeah, they have to. See, the ball is in the stands. That's on. That's where the if, – if the fan reach over into fair territory, then you call fan interference. But it's back in the same place, just about. That's crazy. So you get the out anyway. But uh, you know, kind of reached over into the stand into the stands to try to get that foul ball, and the fan had it and almost was trying to get it. So by him reaching over, that's why you don't call it fan interference. But it didn't matter because Rizzo was out on the next pitch anyway. Boy, I, t- I tell you, for those Yankee fans who were like Larry, yeah, you talk about the offense, but it was Kansas City. Wow, they've got six runs in two games against this Met team. Interesting. Mets trailing 3-1. Yankees batting in the bottom of the eighth. The guys here in the studio, Harvey and Joe, confident with Holmes warming up in the bullpen to come in for the save. Top of the inning. Confident. They know what to expect. <laughs> Let's hear from the from the quarterbacks in the Big Apple. Let's start with Aaron Rodgers. I don't get it. I don't get it, guys. Maybe you guys can help me out. Ladies and gentlemen, maybe you can help me out. Call up, hit me up on X, at hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. I don't get it. When Aaron Rodgers was on with DPH and Rothenberg, he said, quote, I don't think it would be right to just play one year. The Jets gave up an awful lot to get me here. Unless... Something incredible happens, paraphrasing that part of that. So it means he's going to be here multiple years. Nevertheless, he had to reiterate to the media that he's this is more than a one-year deal. Definitely some of it is how much fun I'm having. It's all about the body, how the body feels. Team gave up uh, significant uh, pieces for it just to be a one-year deal. I'm aware of that. I think there was an awareness of that. Now, again, anything can happen with my body or with the success we have this year, but I'm having a blast, so I don't really see this as a one-year-and-done thing. (laughs) Does he have to say it again? He's going to be here more than one year unless the Jets win the Super Bowl or his body breaks down. Say it again. No, we don't need to say it again. We got it. Ask him something else that you really need to know. Like what you like about Garrett Wilson. He's so dynamic with his feet. I think if he adds, you know, five or ten more pounds of muscle, he's going to be really, really difficult to handle. But in the meantime, he's got all the skill set you want, plus the attitude and the work ethic and the character, which is which you really appreciate. So some of these plays out here, you know, we're not going to take them for granted, but it's also Garrett, so you're almost expecting him to make some of these plays. So here's what's great for Garrett Wilson. And we'll put Aaron Rodgers aside for a second. Here's what's great for Garrett Wilson. What's great for Wilson is he gets to learn from a world-class quarterback. He gets to learn about positioning receivers and defenders. When he comes back to the huddle, He's got Aaron Rodgers saying, listen, next time, take him, fake him this way and go that way or do this or do that or do something different. That's what, he, that's what he's getting 
even more, even better than his wide receivers coach. Right? Even better than that. You're learning from a future Hall of Fame quarterback about little tricks of the trade that he's learned, that where he's going to put the ball. And here's the other part. He's going to build, as a young player, he gets to build that chemistry and the eye contact with just shifting and doing certain things. Boy, if you're Gary Wilson, soak it up like a sponge, my friend. Soak it up. And if you're Aaron Rodgers, this is fun for you. I'm going to put it in and see if he can go get it. <laughs> I'm going to put it in and see where. I'm going to throw it over there. I bet you he gets it. Look at that. What a play. That's the best part about having a young receiver and a very and a veteran quarterback who still can throw the football. So, listen. This offense could be something special. Passing-wise, it could be really something special, something dynamic. The one thing we can agree on is that if Rodgers can stay healthy and the line plays well, they could be a team that really could put some points on the board for you. Really could put some points on the board. Let's head over to uh, Giants training camp where Daniel Jones is happy that Andrew Thomas is locked in. As a matter of fact, there's a number of young players locked in, right, DJ? Yeah, we've got a, a number of players who are now, you know, been here for a few years and understand uh, what it means to be a New York Giant. And then, you know, what it means to, to play for, for Coach Dayball and his system and, and what he wants uh, kind of the culture and the feel in the locker room to be. And, yeah, we've got a great group of leaders, great group of, of young guys who, who know what that is and who embody that and really, you know, take to that every day. All right, Daniel, did you miss Saquon while he was out? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, certainly, like I said, he's a he's a leader on this team. He's a uh, influential guy and, and uh, <laughs> someone who sets the standard and, and sets the example of what, uh, what it's supposed to look like. So um, it's it's awesome to have him back. It is. It is awesome to have him back. And as I said earlier, this is, uh, this is a very, it's an interesting year for the Giants. It's going to be interesting because they fooled some people last year. Last year was supposed to be, and I know Mike Tannenbaum doesn't believe in a rebuilding year, I heard him on the K show yesterday. He was he has uh, two words that he thinks about <laughs> what that rebuilding means, because it's the NFL and people kind of retool. You know, you can't because you can go worse to first in the in the blink of an eye. But um, this, the Giants were successful last year, and you 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 know you. It was a surprise. People didn't expect it. But they were able to get it done. They were able to get it done. And they got to the postseason. And they were successful. And they won a playoff game. So, that means you have to at least match that. In theory, you have to at least match that to be successful. 
Now, can they do that? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I think they could get a playoff spot. Is it going to be hard to get three spots out of the NFC East? Uh, maybe. But who else is coming out of the North? You think you're getting two teams out of the NFC North? I don't know. Are you getting two out of the NFC South? I don't know. I don't know. So maybe the NFC East, maybe they get to, maybe you get three teams out there. You know? Listen, on paper, this Giants team should be much better offensively. Much. But that's the question. Can Daniel Jones move the ball down the field as efficiently as he did last season, but only stretching the field via the air a little bit more? I think this giant team is going to surprise some people. I do. I think they're going to surprise some people. I think they're going to be a little better offensively than we give them credit for. But they have a very tough schedule, as we mentioned earlier. It's not going to be easy. Not going to be easy. Same as the Jets. It's not going to be easy for them either. Both of them have tough schedules. But both of the schedules kind of even out at the end of the season. So we'll see what happens. We'll continue the conversation with you on 98.7 ESPN. Look at that. What a play. This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Some of my years covering the Yankees at the stadium, whenever I heard this song, it meant that I guess the Yankees won the game. Start spreading the news. And that's the case tonight. I'm leaving today. They're in the split with the Mets. I want to be part of it. 3-1. New York, New York. Mets now start a four-game series with the Washington Nationals at City Field. Singa, Scherzer, Carrasco, and Verlander this weekend against Gray, Gore, and company. So, um, obviously, the big question, right? Which Scherzer are the Mets going to get tomorrow night? Which Scherzer? I, I have to say that what I've seen from Verlander his last couple of starts he looks pretty good. Yes, I know. I, I, I hear people yelling it's the Yankee offense. I get it. I hear people yelling, you know what, how Verlander owns the Yankees. I understand. But I, I've seen him get rocked by a couple of teams that he shouldn't have got rocked by this year. So I'm, I'm, I'm taking what I can get. It's very simple. That's what I'm doing. I'm taking what I can get. Pat O'Keefe will join you at the top of the hour. Not Ty Butler. Pat O'Keefe will join you. Ty Butler had some people. Ty people. Ty people's people contacted me. Ty Butler's people contacted me. Said no, he's he's off tonight. <laughs> okay. So Pat O'Keefe tonight and tomorrow night. How about this? I owe Pat. So Pat's on tonight at ten, and he's on tomorrow night at ten, as well. Uh, he will follow me here on ninety eight seventy ESPN. He'll lock you in. He'll give you post game audio from both teams and both clubhouses about the Mets and and Yankees today. And for me, this game was intriguing because it was about the starting pitchers, right? Coming into this game, you had two guys who were really expected to be a mainstay in both rotations. 
either second or third in the rotation. Well, Quintana may be fourth in the rotation for the Mets. Depending on how Senga was. And Senga has earned his spot in the rotation. He's been very, very good. But tonight it was, what were you going to see from Rodon after the kissing exhibition in his last departure? And what were you going to see from Quintana in his second start of the year? And both pitchers pitched well. And we could argue that both offenses are not running on all cylinders consistently. But nevertheless, both pitchers pitched well. They both gave a representation. Here's what they did. They did their job. They kept you in the game and gave you a chance to win. That's what they did. They gave you a chance to win. Rodon. Tonight. Five and two-thirds innings, four hits, a run. It was earned. Three walks, four strikeouts. 93 pitches, 61 for strikes. So the first thing that jumps out at you is uh, you need him to be a bit more efficient. You need him to at least go seven. And he will get there. I think he will get there. All right? But compared to his last start where he gave it, what, seven runs? Where he couldn't get anybody. He was pitching batting practice. This is a this is a great boost confidence wise for him and to the Yankees. It's a great boost. As far as Quintana was concerned, same thing. Six innings, six hits, uh, three runs, two earned, three walks, five strikeouts. Both of them walked people that ran their pitch count up. He went six innings. Quintana ninety four pitches for him, sixty one for strikes. For Rodon, 93 pitches, 61 for strike. So it's about getting length from both these guys. And Quintana actually should thank Jeff O'Neill because he robbed Gleyber Torres of a solo home run. So it could have been a 4-1, but it wasn't. So give, you know, give McNeil credit. And Quintana was not bad. So for both these pitchers who are really like, almost like deadline acquisitions, because they're coming at this time of the year, uh, this you need to build on that. That's what you need to see. Can they? How effective can they be? What's going to be their situation going forward? Especially the Yankees with Rodon because of the fact that they still are within distance of a wild card spot. Within within range, within range. And I know there's some Yankee fans who don't want to watch. I don't want. I don't want to go. I don't want one and done. I don't want to go into wild card and just make them and let them do what they did. Let Cashman and company do what they did last year, which was, okay, listen, we got, we lost to a better team, but we got to the postseason. We won our division. We got to the postseason. And so we don't have to change much. We just need to pick up another pitcher here, there, and, and that's it. And, you know, you, you, the Yankee fans think that that will, by them not getting to the postseason, that will make the Yankees understand this is not good enough. We got to do something else. And I don't know that that's the case. I think they believe that if they have a shot at getting to the postseason, they have to take it. And I mean, if you're, I understand the feeling, but if you're a Yankee fan, who knows? If you got a chance to be there, you got to go, you got to try it, you got to see. You would want them to do the best they could to get you into the postseason. All right? Now, 
both these teams have issues defensively. Both these teams continue to struggle running the bases. It's unbelievable. This is July 26th. This should not be the this should not be what's going on here. We should not be talking about the fact that these these players are making these type of mistakes. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. But nevertheless, the Yankees find themselves within striking distance of a wild card spot. And for the Mets, here we go. I want them to be 500 by August 1st to make to decide whether they're going to be buyers or sellers. I would say right now, seven games under 500, they will not be 500 by August 1st. I don't think so. They got a four-game series with, with Washington. Do I think they're going to sweep Washington? No, I don't. Do I think they're going to take the series from Washington? I hope so. But can I be honest with you? I believe they're going to split that series. I want to be pleasantly surprised. But I think they're going to split that series. I just don't. They have not shown me, aside from the six-game winning streak, they have not shown me the ability to consistently show you that they can put points on, score runs, get decent pitching, starting and bullpen, and play a clean game. And I know Vientos can hit. It looks like third base is not his position. I don't know what is his position, but he made a couple of errors tonight. One throwing error at third and a misplay. So, listen, they want, they want it, we want him in the lineup because you need to see what he can do. The young players, you want to see what they can do. You have decisions to make. Even if you decide to sell, you have decisions to make. Okay, this is going to be our guy here. Where do we want to get more talent for our minor league system? Because that's what Steve Cohen wants. He's made it clear. He wants to build the minor league system up. And that's really all you're going to be able to do, depending on, as Buster only said, the measured selling that the Mets are probably going to do on August 1st. Because I really can't see them I can't see a world where they are buying anything at this point. You know, I, I just don't. I, I, and listen, it could be a situation, depending on what happens in the stretch, where the Yankees may end up saying, you know what, maybe we're not buying either. Maybe we have to do some a repeat of 2016 where we trade off some pieces and then try to get some other pieces, try to get some other pieces back and then re-examine ourselves in the offseason. Because I think Michael made a great point. It's now your opportunity. You have to re-examine how you're structuring teams. Because now with the bigger bases and more steals, I'm not saying we're trying to go back to bunt and hit and run and move the runner over and stuff of that nature. But we are looking to, and I think you will see it in the postseason, we are looking to an era where we're going to see more steals and and 
offense is trying to put themselves in scoring position to get more runs so that when you hit that home run, you're putting more pressure on the teams defensively. So I do think that's where you're going baseball-wise, but the Yankees can't do that. DJ can't do that. Rizzo can't do that. Stanton clearly can't do that. So they, you know, they're a little older, slower team. And those three guys have time left on their contracts, especially DJ and Stanton. And once again, as I've said before, I don't know how you move those guys. I think you have to build around those guys. And maybe DJ can come back. I mean, you know, I, I'm not ready to say he's done. I think he still has some quickness in this bat. I think he can still do some damage. And Stanton's been great in the postseason. I just don't know if he can he, – he, he's looking old. He's looking old. That's the issue. That wraps up this edition of the Dan Grosser Show. We thank you for joining us. I'm Larry Hardesty. Thank you, Harvey. Thank you, Joe. Dial him up for Pat O'Keefe, 1-800-919-3776. He's next on 98.7 ESPN.